All right, you guys can hear me. Yay. Oh, that's so much fun. How many guys? Um, poor Judah. That was his first experience through a fire tunnel. Whoa, fun, fun times in the presence of God. Amen? You know, seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. So we, uh, we, we come against <laughs> seriousness. Um, in the name of Jesus, right? Really, it's, it, it's, the presence of God is, it's the most, it's the most natural thing we do. When, when kids are, when kids are having fun, I, I look at, and to me is, those are symbols of the presence of God moving because there's freedom. They don't know to not praise, and they get trained, we're training them in praise in our, when we get here at 10, they are learning their weapon of praise in life, and there's nothing better we can give them than a presence of freedom and, and how to enjoy where, where your posture before the Lord is freedom, whatever that looks like. Cool. Awesome. You guys have a good Thanksgiving? Did anybody go out of town for Thanksgiving? Are you back? Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Let's all turn in our Bibles to uh, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, and hey, all right, yay God. I just have a quick word, and I'm going to release you, and um, did everyone have a good meal? Was it good? Amen. It was really good. Yeah, yeah, I had to say yes. He came to my house. Awesome. Well, um, uh, I know that we've been talking on uh, discipleship and and really uh, just stewarding what peace is in our life. And um, it's it's interesting because in what happened, uh, what's been Holy Spirit's been doing in my heart is is showing me. Showing me places in my heart that I have said, oh yeah, that's, that's peaceful, but it's not, he's saying, well, you're just, it's not that that's peaceful, it's that you're just not, you're not challenged in that area. <laughs> just because you don't have a problem doesn't mean you have peace. <laughs> the peace isn't the absence of a problem, it's the presence of a person. It is, it is, amen? Right? That's good. Um, and so what we're going to do, we're going to read uh, the Gospel of Mark. We're going to read chapter 6. And, and uh, a lot of you guys know both of what we're going to go over and cover, but I wanted to kind of go over it in a, in a straight line. How many of you guys know when they wrote, when the Bible was penned, they didn't like chapter 1, chapter 2. That was like, so when we, when we put chapters in there, that's, that isn't like, Mark is like, okay, I need to put another chapter in here. No, they just, they just wrote the book, and, and a lot of the authors, uh, a, a lot of the people who assembled the, the canon of Scripture later on then put in the chapters and the verses. for. So anyway, so if, if you know what's in there, that's, that's the only thing that matters. All right, here it is. This is Mark chapter 6. It says this. It says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. Everybody say hometown. Where's your hometown? El Paso? 
Who's, who's the farthest? Who came? Buffalo. Buffalo. Anyone farther than Buffalo? M I got Mass. Massachusetts, right? You're Mass Mexico. Mexico. All right. <laughs> ah All right. Every tribe, every nation. That's what we're after. So Jesus went back to his hometown. Imagine yourself going back to your hometown. All right? This is fun. It says, Then the next Sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Have you ever gone back to where you came from, and nobody, everyone was like, What happened to you? <laughs> I know, John. <laughs> what happened to you? And this is what they asked, verse 2. Uh, and I'm reading the New Living Translation. It says, they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? So what were the two things he came back with? Wisdom and power. They go hand in hand. Amen? When you're operating in the power of God... I worry when you don't have wisdom. And when you've got a whole lot of wisdom, but I don't see the miraculous, I worry about you. Because they go hand in hand. God just doesn't give you a lot of smart thinking so you could be smarter than everyone else. He has a plan to unleash the kingdom of God on the kingdom of darkness. So it's not complete when you got one and not the other. Amen? Holy Spirit, move that. All right, here we go. So it says, verse 3, Then they scoffed, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended, and they refused to believe in him. Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except his own hometown. And among his relatives and his own family. Why do you think that is? They know him. Sometimes what you know is what hurts you the most. You know what? We talk about this. The blood of Jesus is to cover what you know because it keeps you from the promise of what he has in the unfolding of time for you. You know what you're living in now he's been preparing you for, but yesterday you weren't ready for it. That's why Jesus says every day is sufficient for its own evils. What you have today and the grace you have today is what you needed for today. Yesterday it was sufficient. What you have today is not sufficient for tomorrow. You need what you have right now for right now. So you can dismiss the anti-peace that comes against what you think you're not prepared for. So here he, he says this, verse 5. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do how many? He couldn't do any miracles. Jesus couldn't do any miracles. Among them, except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Just a few. Some of us, that's all we'd be happy with. But Jesus was after all. He's after all. Amen? That, that's a goal I have. I want to lay my hands on every person. I, I want a record like Jesus. Amen? We need to challenge our, don't just have a monument of one time when I was 16, I was at a youth camp and I accidentally fell on a person who had a broken ankle and it became healed and that be the only testimony you have. 
build on what he's given you. Amen. It says this, verse 6. He was amazed. Everyone say amazed. Amazed. At their unbelief. Now, there aren't too many things in Scripture that amaze Jesus. Like, when someone comes out of the tomb, he is not amazed. When the lame man walks, he's not amazed. When, when blind Bartimaeus was, when, when, when you have blind people healed, why isn't Jesus amazed? Because the culture and, and the kingdom he's from, healing isn't, healing is a reality. It's not a moment. It is what it is. So when people come into completion, it's like, yeah, this is the way it's always supposed to be. Jesus is amazed at unbelief. So ask, let Holy Spirit ask you, what are you amazed at? Are you amazed at the miracle? Or are you amazed at the absence of one? What is your normal? And what are we to pursue? It says this, verse 7. This is, this is what I'm getting at today. Um, it says, verse 7, And he called his twelve disciples, everyone say twelve disciples, Together. Everyone say together. And began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. Now, what, did Je- what was Jesus limited in? Jesus was limited in doing many miracles. He healed a few people. So what did he do? He's like, oh, that's not going to stop me. Hey, guys, everyone, come here. What did he make? See, when he, when he couldn't make many miracles, he made many disciples. And he brought them in. Why? Because your disciples were never to be limited by you, but they were to go farther than you. So what did he do? He brought them in. Why? Because he was to equip them because what he couldn't do, they could. So he brought in his 12 and he equipped them. The Bible says he gave them authority. That means to actually, what that word means there, it means to act on your own will. God is actually interested in renewing your mind so your will can be accomplished. Do you know why God is interested in his people having dreams? Because dreamers... A dreamer is a symptom of being whole. It is, a dream, it is a, the, a, the ability to see into the prophetic, to see into the unlived world and transfer what is not into what is. That is what a dreamer is. And God has a desire to renew your mind so he can actually give you the desires of your heart. He's actually, he actually is, in, he is not interested in robbing you of a life and making you a slave to him. So you are just a robot and every time he, he wants something, you have to go, what is it? He's not interested in that. He's interested in sons and daughters who can go farther 
and do more than what he has laid a foundation for us to live in. He put us on earth to subdue it. Why? Because that's what he does. That's what's in us. Amen. So what what did Jesus do? He began sending them out two by two. Everyone say two by two. This is why discipleship is so important. This is why getting together as a community is so important. Amen. It says, He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick. No food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. And then he says, he says, wherever you go, he said, stay in the house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. This is, look, if you're going to do what, he's actually reinstituting what he himself just went through with his own people. You see what he's doing? Jesus, here's why we're reading the whole thing. Because Jesus had an experience and his experience is going to equip his disciples. Each one of you are to learn and glean from who is discipling you. And if you don't, then you can't walk in the anointing that they're transferring to you. You're living in the wealth of their inheritance. And if you're doing it by yourself, you've got to make your own. It's, it's a lot more difficult when you don't have someone who has already laid up a wealth of wisdom and inheritance for you to walk in. Y'all know what draft, draft is when you're racing? When you have someone in front of you, or you all see birds, y'all see like flying V. All right, y'all remember Mighty Ducks, but it's taken from the ducks, okay? So the ducks are flying in the air and they make a V shape. And you have that one that is taking the blunt force of the headwinds and everyone else rides what's then called the draft. And it creates a much smoother ride. But that one in front has to be the strongest one because they're taking the blunt force. And so as we are in our walk, if you're doing your own thing by yourself, it doesn't mean you can't have disciples. But you, when you are wondering why life is so difficult, maybe it's because you're not in the draft of someone God has put in front of you. And maybe you need to get back in line. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to condemn. I'm just saying... If things are more difficult than what they should be, it, maybe it's not because God has you there. Maybe it's because you put yourself there. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> I don't like saying that. I really don't. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> it says this, verse 12, it says, So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins Listen, it doesn't say repent for their sins. It says repent of their sins. Y'all know the difference? It's a very big difference. See, when I, there's one thing to repent for my sins. Repenting for my sins means I have to do something for my sins to be done away with. But to repent of my sins means the wrong thinking that is the real sinful part not necessarily the action, but the action is an is a outward demonstration of the internal thought process. He says, repent of your sins. Repent, reinstitute the higher thinking because you have lower thinking. Repent of your sins. Repent of, change the mind of the lower thinking 
that you've been walking in and turn to God. And then it says this. It says, and they cast out many demons and healed many sick people. So Jesus did few. The disciples did many. Y'all see what's going on here? Here we go. Anointing them with olive oil. This is, it, uh, that was the rest of the sentence. Then it says this. Now, now I'm going to read the sentence. I'm going to continue to go down, all the way down. It says, and they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. Herod Antipas, the king, heard, soon heard about Jesus. And everyone was talking about him. Some were saying, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. And this is why he can do such miracles. John did a lot of that stuff. Others said, he's the prophet Elijah. Still, others said, he's a prophet like the other great prophets of the past. When Herod heard about Jesus, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has come back from the dead. For Herod sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias, his lady. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. Uh-oh. Jerry, Jerry. Sorry. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's laws for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. This is the, the lady. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. For Herod respected John. Now this is all part of the plot. Don't lose sight of what we've been talking about. Talking about. And it says this. Uh, for Herod respected John, and knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod protected John. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. That's a sign. If, you know, some people, you like the fact that you make people angry. That's weird. Don't spiritualize your dysfunction. <laughs> Says this, um, verse 21, Herodias, Herodias' chance finally came on Herod's birthday. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers, and the leading citizens of Galilee. Then his daughter, also named Herodias, came in and performed a dance. So this is the lady's daughter, which was also named Herodias, came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. That's what he says. Ask me for anything you like, the king said to the girl, and I will give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask, up to half my king. That's a good dance. No, I'm joking. We're not. So he went out and asked her mother. She went out and asked her mother, what should I ask for? And her mother told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. So the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. Thanksgiving, y'all. <laughs> Sorry. We'll edit that out. Then the king deeply regretted what he said, but because of the vows he had made in front of his guests, he couldn't refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner to the prison 
and cut off John's head um, and, and bring it to him. The soldier beheaded John in the prison, brought his head on a tray, and gave it to the girl who took it to her mother. Then John's disciples, listen, then John's disciples heard what had happened, and they came to get his body and buried it in the tomb. The disciples, here we go, the disciples returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. All they had done and taught. Jesus had wisdom and he did miraculous. Disciples came back spilling out, Jesus, this is what we did, this is what we taught. It's good to have someone to go back to. And it says, then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming in and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. So here you have, here you have Jesus going in his hometown, being rejected. Only what he came to do, he couldn't do 100%. He was limited in what he could do. He did do some, but he was limited. So he went and he said, you know what? This isn't going to stop me. This is why I have you guys. Everyone say, that's why I'm here. Because um, not everyone's going to listen to me. But what happens when it comes from the mouth of two or three? What happens? See, sometimes we don't believe something the first time we hear it. But when another source comes to us, we're like, uh, what are you talking about? And then a third source comes, okay, what, what's, I have, why haven't I, yeah, I've heard about this, but like I didn't really know. Tell me more about it. See, it's not enough that one person gets approached about the kingdom of God, but when they get approached left and right, they start thinking, okay, what's going on here? See, that's why, that's why the kingdom of heaven is supposed to stay on the offensive. We're never, ever supposed to be in a place where we're having to react to what the earth around us is doing. But we are on the offensive in the joy of the Lord of what he is doing, of the wisdom that he's bringing and the miraculous that he is introducing. And so they came back with a testimony. But the testimony that they came back with was put there. The seed of the possibility of that testimony came from when Jesus went through his experience and brought to them the experience and said, but I'm equipping you, now go. And he sent them. John had his head taken off. They, uh, John's disciples buried him. And the disciples came back with this news. And they came back saying of all the stuff that they had done and taught. So here's Jesus. He's like, guys, let's, let's just time out. We're all tired. You guys have been doing awesome. Let's, but let's, let's go rest. So what does he do? He gets them all. He gets on a boat. Where are the people? Not on the boat. 
this is what's cool. So here you have just an amazing, what it is, it's, there's a storm. I mean, has anyone ever here had your cousin's head taken off? I, I really hope not. I'd be really sorry if I said that and somebody did. I don't know. But you're, you're, you're John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. And you love him. I'm pretty sure they maybe knew each other growing up, more than likely with what family culture was back then. They probably knew each other. And here you have your cousin who is killed. And you also have your disciples that you have developed who came back with amazing testimonies. And how many of you guys know when you train your kids in something and they come back with a success story of what you equipped them with, that's encouraging, right? I mean, that's like, ah, oh, that's awesome. But so here Jesus is getting into the boat. And I don't think, I don't, I don't think Jesus worried, but I think at the same time, here's some stuff. That he's like, look, we need to get away. We need to rest. So he gets on the boat. And this is a really interesting thing that happens. It says this. Verse 32. So they left by boat for a quiet place. Everyone say quiet place. So you need leaders who can guide you to a quiet place. You need leaders in your life who says, come over here. Or I'm coming over to your house. Oh, my house is a mess. No, 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 no. Get in the boat. We're getting away. That is, that is something that's very much needed in our culture. And you know, if you're not in the draft of someone like that, you really can't experience that rest. And so, but many people recognized them, verse 33, and saw them leaving, and the people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Now, how many of you guys right now, that right there, that fact stresses you out because you're trying to get away and people are like, I'm, I'm right here. When, whenever you get on the boat, whenever you're back from vacation, I need to talk to you. And so you're like waiting, but this is amazing. Y'all want to see something that's miraculous? I want everyone to say this. Everyone say this word, boundaries. Listen to this. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. When they were running ahead of him, Jesus was in rest. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he steps. Oh, hey, everyone. Well, he's in the boat. He's in the boat. See, do you have people in your life that are training you in that type of peace? Hey, I'm, I'm in my boat with Jesus right now. Sorry, devil. Sorry, ministry. I'm in my boat. This is, I'm, this is me and Jesus' time. But they're on the other side. But you need, I need help. I'm still in the boat. I haven't stepped out yet. Y'all get me? Are y'all feeling this? And you, this is what we need to learn. See, it, it isn't, 
if you want to be able to do what Jesus is about to do right now, you have to learn. Don't learn the art of all of this. Learn this because this is your point of equipment. This is your wall. This is your happy place. This is the wall that we need to build up and say, you know what? See, you know why Martha, why Martha was so troubled about many things? Because she was always like this. But Mary knew this. I'm just hanging out with my Jesus. The presence is the most empowering thing you can facilitate in your life. Can I tell you something that's really cool? This happened in Acts. I think it's like Acts 5. Or it was when... <laughs> hold on. Let me just get there. This is so fun. It makes me a little mad, but it's, it's fun at the same time. I think it's... Um, what happened was uh, two of the disciples, they had just healed the man at the gate. And... Um, and what had happened was, is, is Peter, um, I think it was Peter and, and John, they, um, they went inside the temple, and um, they had just healed this guy. And it says they were before the, the city council, and they were trying to, like, convict them. And they said this. They said that they knew, um, let me find it here. I almost got it. Um, here it is. This is Acts chapter 4, it's verse 13. It says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. This is why, listen. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in Scripture. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I love the word. We need to learn the word of God, but it is not what empowers you. If you want to influence the people that God has called us to influence, you get in the boat with Jesus. Presence is power. It isn't knowledge. It isn't Bible verse recital. It isn't exegeting scripture. I love those things. We need to do that as a part of our faith, but it is not your source. Amen? That's oh. I really, I really like the sermon today, David. This is really good. So this is what Jesus does. Hmm. He draws a line as he steps out of the boat he saw them and then it says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd Jesus does love the people he, he loves them he's not avoiding them but he knows the value of focus I can't look if I am not built up to what I need to be, 
and I step out of the boat, I actually am not going to have the level of compassion that is needed to actually move for you. It's called burnout. Are you burnt out in your marriage? That's because you're trying to give somebody something that you, look, you need Jesus time. Are you born, are you burnt out on your job? It's, you're not thanking the Lord for what he's given you. I, trust me, if, you're not thank, if you thank God for your job, you'll be there a long time. And it has, no, we're going to stop there, we'll keep going. All right, and it says this, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped out from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And the Bible, uh, in other gospels also says, and he healed, he healed some of them. It says, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can, they can go to the nearby form, farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, what do you say? You feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he, had, he said. Go and find out. See, a lot of times we just we look at what we don't have rather than seeing what he has for us to go find. What are you not looking for that's available to you? So, they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit in groups on the green grass. I love how it says green grass, amen. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Then Jesus took the five loaves, we know the story, and two fish. He looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces. He kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed from those loaves. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that all the disciples, what, get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. So here's what I see. I see a lot of Jesus getting away in the word, and we don't know what happens there. Jesus gets away and he rests. There seems to be a secret of the place of rest. It's called the secret place. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Do you know where the secret place is? It's a secret. You have to go find it. Do you know who helps you find the secret place? Who are those people in your life? 
that tr- they, don't tr- they don't train you in, in exegeting scripture, although that's part of it. What they train you in is presence. We train people in the presence because the encounter is what changes us. The presence is what changes us. The presence is what equips us. The cool thing about what happens here, I'm going to let you read it. You have Jesus have an encounter, and he gives that wisdom and that authority to his disciples. He's equipping them for the next, the next moment. What Jesus is trying to do, there's, there's actually three points in this story of discipleship, and I've only hit two. There is the discipleship that happens when he equips them to go out, and they're distributing the bread of heaven, the miracles, the deliverance, the healing, the wonders. They're doing all these things, and yet here we are in another story later on. We don't have enough. It's because I haven't given it to you yet. And so Jesus, what does he do? He takes the bread and he blesses it. Are you blessing your marriage? Are you blessing your family? Are you blessing that car? Are you blessing your dreams? Have your dreams become a point that the enemy uses against you because you're not far enough yet? Or are you blessing those things? Are you blessing that album? That book? Are you blessing those things? He, he takes it. He gives it. He blesses it. And then he gives it to his disciples. And then those disciples are giving it out to those people. Right? He's giving them a moment. Jesus is distributing bread. But he's also distributing an encounter with the Father. And he turns. And I want you guys to realize that every moment that you spend with Jesus, every moment that you spend with Holy Spirit, with Father God, is a moment that's worth turning and giving to somebody else because that is going to be a virus against the kingdom of darkness. It is going to to squelch the hunger in people's hearts. It's going to have them want more of what you have. And you know what we are trying to give people? We're actually not trying to get people to come to us. But we know that's part of the discipleship process. Paul says, be be wary about people who take up followers after themselves. What we're trying to do is, Paul, Paul, Paul says this, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Right? So what we are doing, we can't say, oh, no, no, don't follow me. We say, no, I do follow me as I follow Jesus, as I follow this person, as I am a disciple of someone else. And you're coming into the wake, and you're redistributing. It becomes an actual more easy access flow to the kingdom of God. And you know what? All of you have it this morning. All of you have an encounter with the presence of God. God did something really fun today. And God wants you to actually take the bread of the moment of today and redistribute those spiritual calories (laughs) to some other people to bring them life in their moment of hopelessness. Amen? And so what I want to close with right now is what Jesus was doing here. Look, Jesus took rejection from his own city, and he took that in an opportunity 
for his disciples to go out and do amazing things. And then in that moment, he then took that same moment and he transferred that same encounter over here and said, what I couldn't do, what I'm not supposed to do, you're going to go out and do in my name. The next story is when Jesus sends them out in the boat by themselves. And there's a fun encounter that happens. I'm going to let you all read it on your own. God is preparing you for the trip to Bethsaida. That's all I'm going to say. Amen? Read the rest of it. And you'll experience, you'll experience what he wants to equip, with you, uh, equip you with. It's always more encounters. Amen? All right, so let's stand to our feet. I want you just to, uh, um, oh man. Father, I just want to uh, uh, thank you. I bless these people today. I just bless them. What an amazing, amazing moment with heaven today, with your people, with the Spirit of God that's among us. And Lord, your moment, the moment with you today has equipped us for everything that you are bringing in our way. Lord, and we accept, Lord, the commission with you to bring an end to the reign of darkness in people's hearts. That the enemy has lost power and he, he can't do anything when hope is present. When peace is present, Jesus is present. And we thank you right now. And, and anyone who wants to break some darkness, uh, we're going to invite you and we're going to have some leaders that are just going to touch you. They're just going to lay their hands on you and you're, you're going to actually hear the Holy Spirit just kind of take that deck of cards and just pull out the bottom one and the Holy Spirit's going to do some amazing things. But Holy Spirit, we thank you for equipping us with an amazing moment of your presence today. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. We love you guys. You guys have a fun weekend with the Holy Spirit. Amen.